Hey everybody, it's Kylie Gable and welcome to the Candy Apple Press Podcast, the Feminization Boudoir. Um, there's been a race going on this week and you didn't know about it. In fact, the two contestants didn't know about it. Um, I'm recording this little segment right now on Sunday night, it's 9.39, and um, I had two of my favorite people in the world, Alice and Jerry, the real heel, and Shayla Espazia, who were both working on audios for me this week. I have actually got six women right now working on audios, and I love it. That's amazing. Anyway, Shayla has been working on After the Ordeal, a story that I put out several years ago, and it's long. It's about 12,000 words. And um, Allison has been working on uh, Property of the Cheerleaders, and um, Property of the Cheerleaders is the one that got finished. So, Property of the Cheerleaders is the one we're going to be listening to today, and I can't wait. As I'm recording this intro, I haven't even heard it yet, but I will tell you, it is a story about um, a girl who gets accepted into the cheerleaders, the most popular group in the school. They kind of run the school, and um, they are not a group to mess with, and they love to feminize boys. Now, where was the inspiration from this particular story? Believe it or not, it's from a movie called Goodfellas. Uh, The clip you're about to hear, I have to start at the beginning of this particular audio because I really love it and it is totally inspired by Goodfellas. So, here is Alice and Jerry with a clip from Property of the Cheerleaders. Property of the Cheerleaders by Claudia Acosta and Kylie Gable Read by Allison Jerry To me, being a cheerleader was better than being a Kardashian. Long before I picked up my first pom-poms, I knew that I wanted to be a part of them. It was there that I wanted to belong. To me, being a cheerleader meant being a somebody in a school full of nobodies. They wore the trendiest clothes, dated the cutest boys, and went to all the best parties. They did whatever they wanted. They never did homework or studied for tests, but somehow they didn't flunk out. Everybody knew they smoked and hung out in the second floor girls' room, but nobody ever gave them a hard time. No teacher ever came to bust them. Trudy Campanella was the one who always ran the tryouts and the car washes. Her cousin Paula was a captain of the cheer team, If Paula seemed oblivious to the finer points of chemistry or literature, it was because she could afford to be. When I first made the squad, my parents were thrilled. I wasn't exactly a pretty girl growing up, and my mom hoped that this would be my key to climbing the social ladder. My dad played high school football and was thrilled to have an excuse to go to the high school games, despite not having a son. When my mom found out about Trudy and Paula, she was beside herself. I think it wasn't just my social ladder that she was concerned with. I was the luckiest girl in the world. I could go anywhere and do anything. On Fridays, when we wore our cheerleading uniforms to school, people actually moved out of my way, and if I accidentally bumped into them, they'd apologize, even the upperclassmen. But it wasn't too long before my mom and dad changed their minds about cheerleading. 
Cheerleading was supposed to be an extracurricular activity, but I was learning more from being part of the squad than I ever did from any of my classes. That's all I wanted to do. My parents could never understand, but I was part of something. I belonged. I'd never give that up. Every day, I'd learn more about how to handle boys, how to get what I wanted, and how to be popular. My dad was not a happy man. He was one of those guys who seemed to peak in high school. From football star to mediocre insurance salesman, we had experienced the top, so now the middle felt like the pits. Some days, my dad could be all right. Unfortunately, when my first progress report came home and he saw my grades, it wasn't one of the good days. He was home before cheerleading practice ended whenever business was terrible enough. That was one of those days. He ambushed me as soon as I got in the door. He had this sarcastic voice on, and he was waving a paper in his right hand like a madman. Wendy, I'm so glad you came home to see us. Do you want to explain this to me? Explain what, Dad? Your progress report came today, and it's terrible. I knew you were slacking off, and I warned you about this, but I never expected a progress report like this. I'll try harder, Dad, I replied. I promise. Damn right you will. For one thing, you're quitting cheerleading. Dad, I pleaded. You can't make me do that. Just watch me. Look what your biology teacher says about you. Wendy frequently misses labs and never turns in assignments. Do you think this is a joke? Mr. Wheeler was a new teacher fresh out of college and determined to make a name around the school as a tough guy. He never backed down and never made exceptions. I had no doubt that he had given a lot of students failing grades, but I also knew a few of them probably did as poorly as my 37%. Tomorrow, you're quitting cheerleading. If your grades improve and you start passing your biology class, you can see if they'll take you back, insisted my dad, trying to sound reasonable. You're such a fuck-up, I spat. You will not talk to me that way in my house, he roared, but I was already climbing the stairs to my room. I slammed the door shut behind me. The next day, at my father's insistence, I met Paula and Trudy before cheerleading practice. Hey, why aren't you changed yet? asked Trudy. I'm out, I replied. My dad saw my biology grade and he flipped out. He's making me quit cheerleading. I left my uniform in the locker room. You can't quit, said Paula. You're our best flyer. We don't have a chance in any of the competitions without you. I'm sorry, I said. I really am, but my dad is making me. It's over your biology grade, asked Trudy. Who do you have for that? It's Mr. Andrews, I replied. He's a real hard case. I know him, said Trudy. He's new. He hasn't learned how things work around here. I'm really sorry, I said. Paula, I'm going to take Wendy, Jill, and Megan with me to the biology lab. I'll be back for the second half of practice, said Trudy. Do what you've got to do, said Paula. Wait, I exclaimed. You're not going to go talk to Mr. Andrews, are you? You'll see, was all that Trudy said. I almost felt sorry for Andrews. He was sitting at his desk grading papers when we entered the room. Trudy told me to be on lookout, so I hung back. I knew it was a foolish thing to do, but somehow I trusted Trudy. Andrews was surprised to see four cheerleaders, 
three of them in full uniform entering his classroom. Can I help you? He asked, looking up from his desk. We came to see you, Mr. Andrews, said Trudy, straddling up to his desk. I'm rather busy with this grading, he replied sternly. I'd appreciate it if you made this quick. Well, teach, said Trudy. I was hoping I could get some tutoring. I don't even know who most of you girls are, said Andrews. Well, we need to change that, cooed Trudy as she removed his glasses from his face, placed them on the desk. Miss, I need those, complained Andrews, but Trudy picked them up and clipped them onto the inside of her cheerleading sweater. Even though she had a blouse on underneath, Andrews was too uncomfortable to reach that close to her breast. She loosened his tie and took it off despite his feeble protests. Just relax, teach, purred Trudy. Now look here, young lady, this has gone far enough, complained Andrews. He was cut off by Megan suddenly jumping on his lap. She was a very attractive brunette with large breasts that were now perilously close to the teacher's face. Hiya, Mr. Andrews, she said, unbuckling his belt and sliding it off his belt loops. Get off me this minute, young, he began, only to be cut off by Jill putting her hand over his mouth. With Andrews distracted, Megan began to wrap the poor teacher's belt around his right wrist and the arm of the chair, while Trudy tied his left wrist to the other arm with his necktie. Soon he was effectively bound and gagged. Trudy and Megan ripped open his shirt while Jill kept his mouth well covered so he couldn't call for help. Hey, wake up, Wendy, called Trudy. Get some pictures. Oh, I'm sorry, I replied, still dazed at this brazen assault on my biology teacher. As I was pulling out my phone, Wendy and Trudy repositioned themselves so that their cheerleading skirts concealed the bonds from view. Even Jill repositioned her hand so it looked more like she was giving him a teasing embrace rather than a hand gag. After I snapped a couple pictures, Jill finally uncovered his mouth and he tried to reassert his control, but it was far too late for that. Untie me now, demanded Andrews. You're in a lot of trouble. Trudy's response was just to slap him hard across the face. Are you done yet? You whine like a little bitch. What, what do you want? asked Mr. Andrews. You know who that is? asked Trudy, motioning to me. Yes, that's Miss Hall. She's in my freshman biology class, he said. That's right, teach, said Megan. And now she's your best student. What? he said, looking genuinely frightened. If you don't want those pictures finding their way to the school board, you're going to change her grade to an A, said Trudy. In fact, you're going to call her parents in an hour and apologize for the horrible mistake you made on her progress report. Do you understand? My grading is meticulous. I don't change grades, he said. You don't for any of the other students. For Wendy, you'll make the exception. Do you understand? Those pictures aren't going away, so tell me right now you understand, you little bitch. Or you're fucking done here. Yes, I'll change her grade. And you'll call her parents too? Demanded Megan. Of course, he said. Now please untie me before somebody sees us. And just like that, my grade was changed and my dad allowed me to stay on cheerleading. Look, we didn't want to fuck with this schmuck and his 35000 a year job. 
But that was just the order of things. He taught me about the food chain. Well, he was a little fish. I was a big fish now. And Trudy, well, Trudy was a shark. Grade your papers, but if you don't want us to fuck with you, you better not fuck with us. How could I ever go back to being a nobody after that? I was a cheerleader, and I knew I would be until I graduated. After feeling lonely and left out in junior high, high school was a glorious time full of awesome parties, and we cheerleaders ran the place. It was one of those parties that I first met Jenny Conley. She was only a sophomore, but she was already a legend. She dated college guys, and everybody wanted her at their party. She had an army of older guys waiting to buy her beer or whatever else she needed, and she always shared with us. No guy was going to impress her by buying some cheap domestic beer. Half the time, he'd be leaving the store not with a six-pack, but with a keg. It was at Paula's beginning of the year bash where Trudy introduced us, handing me a red cup full of Blue Moon. She said, I'd like you to meet our newest cheerleader. Wendy is a great flyer, and she's going to be a great fit. Hey, smiled Jenny. We always need new blood. Good to meet you. You too, Jenny, I said bashfully. I just want to help out where I can. Hey, I like her, said Jenny. Stick with me, kid. Jenny was one of the most feared cheerleaders in school. One word or sideways glance from her would send your social status dropping, and it might never be salvageable after that. She liked all the perks that came with her status, but what she really loved was demasculating guys. I know that she would flirt with a guy just to get him to finally and publicly ask her out so that she could laugh at him and make him feel like shit. You'd even see the toughest guys going home with tears streaming down their faces while she laughed about it with her friends. If she could get a guy alone with a couple of her friends, that guy was going to get a makeover, and she might not stop with the makeup. I never got tired of seeing guys at cheerleading practice begging for nail polish remover or wanting their clothes back so that they could take off the dress she had made them wear. Dressing guys up was sort of a team hobby back then. We loved sharing photos with each other of the guys we humiliated. It didn't matter how we did it. Some guys could just be seduced into it, while others might require blackmail. But some we'd have to gang up on just to make them do it. It was all good. I can still remember the first time that I dressed a guy up. It wasn't until my sophomore year. We had a system for dating. We got regular boyfriends, and Saturday night usually found us with them. My boyfriend was a really cute boy in my class named Aiden. He was kind of a pretty boy type, barely taller than my own 5'6 height with a baby face and deep blue eyes. We started dating the summer after freshman year and just kind of clicked. If you were a cheerleader, it was expected that you had a boyfriend. All these guys were throwing themselves at you, so you could just pick the one you liked. On Friday night, though, we left the boyfriends at home and went out with our trophies. To be a trophy, a guy had to be older, drive a nice car, have money, and happily shower us with it. These guys could be kind of conceited, but we went to the best concerts, nicest restaurants, and best shops all on their dime. One rule was that the trophy could not go to our school because of the problems with boyfriends and trophies meeting each other. My trophy was a guy named Jack, who was two years older than me, six feet tall, very generous, and not very bright. Everything was fine until Aiden found out about Jack. He was possessive and felt betrayed that I had this whole other relationship that he knew nothing about. He very publicly broke up with me at one of Trudy's parties, and he started calling me a slut. 
Then he started telling everybody in school that would listen that all the cheerleaders were sluts. One day, Trudy, Paula, and Jenny cornered me in the girls' bathroom. Paula spoke first. I know that Aiden broke up with you. How are you doing? It still stings a bit, I replied. He was my first real boyfriend, you know? Yeah, that sucks, said Jenny. I still remember my first. You know he's been talking shit about you and all of us to anybody who'll listen, said Trudy. I know, I replied. I'm sorry about that. When he found out about Jack, he got pissed. I hate possessive guys, said Jenny. You know what we've got to do about him, said Paula. What do you mean by do something, I asked. Well, if we let one guy talk shit about us before you know it, everybody is, said Paula. We've worked too hard to have some needy guy ruin everything for us. I see what you mean, I said. You don't have to hurt him or anything, but maybe you and Jenny can have a talk with him. Take my little sister Tammy with you and get a few pictures just to convince him that it's in his best interest to stay on our good side, said Trudy. You'll be fine, assured Paula. Jenny is kind of a pro at this. Now I should tell you about Tammy. She was only a freshman, but she was the same age I was because she got held back a year in third grade. It wasn't that she was dumb, but that she was wild. She had a short temper and a big mouth. She liked to fight and fight dirty, which was kind of surprising because to the look of her, she didn't look like the type. She was a petite Italian girl who reminded me of Vinny's girlfriend and my cousin Vinny, the role played by Marissa Tumay. Jenny had done this to so many guys that she had everything set up for me. I'd sweet-talk him into going into the second-floor girls' bathroom, where not many people go. Once he was in there with me, we'd make him over to teach him a lesson before adding his feminized pictures to our collection. I remember from history class that some general said something about plans not always surviving contact with the enemy. When we got let out for dismissal one Tuesday afternoon, Jenny was already setting up in the bathroom while I waited at Aiden's locker for him to show up. "'What do you want?' he asked, not exactly thrilled to see me. We need to talk, I said. I don't think I have anything to say to you, slut, he spat. This was pissing me off, as I'd never slept with him or Jack. I was hardly a slut. I deserve that, I lied. But I made a terrible mistake, and I'd like to set it right, even if you don't want to take me back. So you admit you're a slut then, he asked. Yeah, I replied. I guess I was. So what do you want to talk about? He asked. It's kind of private. I said, looking over my shoulder at the kids streaming past us to go to their lockers. So what then? I know where we can go. I said, and I began leading him to the bathroom where Jenny was waiting. Tammy did a great job of staying back quietly, so he didn't even notice that she was tailing us. Where are we going? Asked Aiden, after we took the stairs up to the second level. Just a bit further... I replied, leading him the rest of the way. There we are. The girls' bathroom? He asked skeptically. Yeah, nobody ever uses it, I said, especially not after school. We both looked around cautiously and then stepped inside. I made sure he stepped in first because I wanted to be behind him. He hadn't been the least bit suspicious, but then he saw Jenny in the bathroom spreading out makeup on the sink. A red dress hung from the stall door. Oh, fuck he said, and turned to leave. He took two quick steps towards the door before Tammy kicked it open, sending the door flying right into him. The door hit him right in the forehead, hard enough to knock him off his feet. Jenny and I quickly pinned him to the ground as Tammy entered the room. Good timing, 
said Jenny. I got lucky that he was the one who opened the door, said Tammy. Why are you doing this? asked Aiden as we turned him over on his stomach. The girls both looked at me. You thought you could get away with calling me a slut? With calling all the other cheerleaders sluts? I asked angrily while Tammy zip-tied his wrists and ankles together. Hey, Tammy, how are we going to take his clothes off of him if he's all tied up? asked Jenny. Not a problem, replied Tammy. I hadn't known this, but she was in the practice of carrying a Swiss Army knife around with her. The knife had a three-inch blade, which she proceeded to run straight up his pant leg. You might want to hold still so I don't cut anything you might miss. Why are you doing this, Wendy? he asked. Don't do this. Jenny slapped him in the cheek, warning him. Close your mouth and take it like a man, or I'm just going to gag you. I don't know why. Maybe I'm meaner than I like to think I am, but seeing him sniveling like a little bitch as his clothes were being cut away was hysterical to me. I started laughing. I just couldn't help myself. I saw him looking at me with a mix of fear and contempt, and even though I really liked him, it just made me laugh. Jenny looked up at me from her position on the floor, and I think we bonded in that very moment. She loved that I was laughing at my ex-boyfriend's torment. Get down here, she said. We need to get him shaved. Getting a boy to shave against his will isn't easy. But hey, nothing worthwhile ever is. The way Jenny put it made a lot of sense. We didn't want to cut him, but we really didn't want to be cut, so we'd be careful. But the boy had better be even more careful if he didn't want to be cut to hell. It usually didn't take too long for guys to see things her way. Once we had him shaved smoother than any one of us, we put lotion on him. Jenny really loved to use this Victoria's Secret's pure seduction on guys. It was strong, long-lasting, and fruity. Even after the guy took a shower, he'd still smell of the stuff, and it would be very noticeable. Do we do the dress or makeup first? I asked. We're going to have to untie him to dress him, replied Jenny. Let's paint his face before we worry about that. Why are you doing this to me, Wendy? I thought you cared about me, whimpered Aiden with big puppy dog eyes. Sorry, Aiden. You went too far. I said coldly, if you were bad-mouthing me, I wouldn't have cared that much, but you were trashing the whole squad. You didn't leave us a choice. Now get up, you sniveling little pansy, demanded Tammy, hauling him up by the collar and shoving him down roughly into a seating position. Next time... We really should wheel one of those teacher's chairs in. It'd make things a lot easier. Why don't you do the honors on the makeup, said Jenny. We can paint his fingers and toes. How the hell are we supposed to paint his fingers with his hands tied behind his back, asked Tammy. It's not that hard, said Jenny. He can spread his fingers out behind his back, too. You just worry about his toes. So the three of us went to work like a Detroit auto assembly line, I'd look into his eyes so often when we were dating. Now I was determined to make them pop. That's real good, said Tammy, looking up from his feet to observe my handiwork. Don't forget, though, we definitely want it on the slutty side. Yeah, I've got some candy apple red lipstick, the same shade as that nail polish. I'm really going to overdo the blush and the mascara. Perfect, said Jenny. You know what's fun is false eyelashes and super glue. I should have thought of that. I replied. We'll just have to make do with the mascara. Now the object of what we were doing was never to make the sap look passable. Some of these guys like Aiden were going to look pretty close to female with some eyeliner and blush, but some guys could never pull it off. 
The object was to make it a bitch to remove and to make sure whomever saw him like that would wonder if maybe the guy wanted it. When I was done with Aiden, he definitely looked good. Great work, said Jenny. That's one of the best I've seen. He couldn't have been too much of a man to begin with, taunted Tammy. Can I go now? He asked pleadingly. Oh, princess, we've got a long way to go, mocked Tammy. We got a wig for Cinderella here? I got something better, I replied. Since I knew his hair shade, I got extensions. That'll take longer, replied Jenny. Yeah, Jenny, but we're not in a hurry. We can make it a bitch to take them out. No, gasped Aiden. Shut up, you wuss, snapped Tammy. Nobody asked your opinion. Let's get it done quick. We've got a lot to do, said Jenny. And just like that, Aiden was taking shape. Tammy took control of the extensions and whipped an updo suitable for prom season. And just like that, Aiden was taking shape. Tammy took control of the extensions and whipped an updo suitable for prom season. And just like that, my ex-boyfriend was bound and naked before me, smooth as a baby. Fingers and toes painted, heavily made up face, and feminine hairstyle. You got an outfit for him? asked Jenny. I didn't know if I should find a dress or lingerie, so I brought both, I replied. I like the lingerie to be more of a bonus, like people seeing his bra strap and discovering it rather than just putting him in a teddy, said Jenny. I was beginning to wonder just how much experience she had with this. So do we just cut him loose to dress him, I asked. Tammy looked at me like I had just asked what year the War of 1812 was fought. Cut his ankles free and put the pantyhose on and the panties, said Tammy. Then retie his ankles and put the dress and bra on. That way, he's always at least partially helpless and partially helpless sissies who try to make a run for it is going to hurt himself bad. That's smart, I said, taking scissors and cutting through the zip tie holding his ankles. Soon I had him dressed in a pair of sheer hose, black ankle strap heels that I was able to lock in place with a couple small jewelry box size padlocks, and of course, black lace panties. I think he accepted the panties out of humiliation at being naked in front of us. Jenny retied his ankles, and I put a very sultry, short, red, satiny dress on him. I went shopping at a lot of local consignment shops before I found the right one, and it only cost $10. A fully padded bra placed underneath gave him an acceptable figure. As I zipped him up, he pleaded with me, Don't do this, Wendy. But what was I going to do? He was the one who could have stopped things by keeping his mouth shut. Tammy came over and sprayed him heavily with a very strong perfume, and we declared our jobs finished. When I cut the ties on his ankles, I think Aiden got his hopes up. We're almost done, I said. I need you to pose for some pictures, though. Please, he begged. I can't. You fucking can, asshole, said Tammy, who grabbed him by the balls and pulled him over against the wall before roughly putting him in the pose she wanted for Jenny's camera. He had no choice but to comply, and Jenny began snapping away. We made him run his fingers through his hair, pretend to adjust his stockings, and blow kisses at the camera. All the good stuff. Now can I go? He asked, seeing Jenny put the phone away. Yeah, said Jenny. Let's get you out of here. You know you'll have to wear what you've got on, right? Yeah, I figured when you'd cut my clothes off me, he said. That really kind of sucked, you know. Oh, yeah, we really feel bad about it, said Tammy, trying to hide the sarcasm. After tonight, we'll be even, I said. That's the main thing. You promise? He asked. 
Oh, yeah, this squares you up, said Jenny as she opened the bathroom door and led Aiden out. We followed behind. Tammy motioned for me to keep a sharp eye on him, but there was no way that he could make a run for it with those heels locked on his feet. Where are we going? asked Aiden. We're like the last students here, I think, said Jenny. We should probably stay together. We're just heading out to the parking lot. Do you need a ride? Actually, I would really prefer not having people see me dressed like this. You've got nothing to worry about, said Tammy. You look great, and even if somebody saw, they'd never recognize you or guess that you're a guy. The girls' locker room was coming up on our left-hand side, but Aiden had no idea that was our destination. You're walking pretty good in those heels, Aiden, I said. Yeah, he replied. Do you suppose you could take the locks off? Sure, I replied, but two seconds later, Jenny motioned back to Tammy and I, and the three of us hustled him into the girls' locker room. Unsteady on his feet, he had no chance to resist us. Before he could fight back, Tammy had wrenched his hands behind his back, and Jenny was securing them. We wanted him more bound up this time, so we used clothesline. While my friends were making sure that he wouldn't go anywhere, I was stuffing his own underwear into his mouth and using rag salvage from the t-shirt Tammy cut off him to make a very effective gag. Doing his gag required that I looked into his eyes, and the look of betrayal that he had was priceless. This is what you get when you mess with cheerleaders, I told him. Maybe you might want to think about that while you're waiting for the girls' basketball team to get back. We not only tied him up, but we secured him to the shower as well. We stopped to admire our handiwork and take a few more pictures. He was despondent. We knew how to tie somebody up so that he'd stayed tied. He knew he wouldn't get out until somebody let him out. Have fun, bitch, taunted Tammy, and with that we were gone. We high-fived each other, giggling as we rushed out to the parking lot. We told Paula everything went off without a hitch, and as far as we know, it did. Unfortunately, it went sideways. Aiden was stuck in the girls' locker room for about four hours, just as we planned. When the girls returned, they teased and humiliated Aiden, just as expected. Unfortunately, they didn't bother to let him go, as we assumed they would. Instead, a janitor stumbled upon him after the basketball team had left. He was stuck there for almost six hours, and now it was a federal case. Now, when something disastrous like the locker room incident happens, there's no way around it. The school board is going to want answers, and they're going to come down on the principal. Somebody is going down. I knew that somebody had to be me. If my actions were framed as that of a young girl with broken heart and not some cheerleader revenge squad stuff, it was much more sympathetic. Oh, I like that audio. Uh, Allison really nailed this. She really got the essence of it. I think it helped when I told her it's based on Goodfellas. And uh, she knocked it out of the park. We haven't had Allison on since July. She's also did um, High Heeled Coup as well as The Clucky Sitter. And July 29th was, I think, High Heeled Coup, which was the last one uh, she did for us. So it's been about half a year. Um, we need more Allison. She's been getting into burlesque. She is like the queen of feet. She is all over clip sales, you name it. Beautiful woman, 
and there is just this goofy, fun-loving sexiness to her. I love women who don't mind being goofs, and Allison has got a fearless attitude, so I hope we'll get some more from her. And speaking of amazing women, I actually am lucky enough, uh, Shayla has not quite finished after the ordeal, but she's close, and she has gifted us with a little clip, which I'm going to play now, so you can kind of get an idea of just what you're in for on the Feminization Boudoir next week. 90 minutes later, however, he had been forcibly dressed in one of Cheryl's old business suits with a very short, tight gray pencil skirt, three-inch heels, and a pink camisole underneath the gray sports coat. Now he paused. He felt that he simply couldn't force himself to actually push the button and thus call for the elevator that would eventually take him up to his office. And the inevitable humiliation of all his co-workers seeing him dressed like this. But with the three standing right behind him, he knew that he didn't have much in the way of options left open to him. Well, what are you waiting for, slut? spat Cheryl incredulously. Have you conveniently forgotten which floor you work on? Let's go, sissy, commanded Rachel, pushing him, stumbling through the open elevator doors. Much to the surprise of the two women already inside and trying to leave, the three girls filed into the elevator closely behind him. They obviously weren't going to let their charge out of their sight until they could see him right to the door of his office. Well, I can't wait to hear this full audio. Shayla is going to be amazing. She is used to doing shorter audios, and as she gets more comfortable doing longer ones, she's only going to improve, and she's already pretty damn good. So I can't wait to hear her version of After the Ordeal. By the way, so many of the flirts that I have are mistresses or women. Let's just call them women. So many of the women that I have recording audios for me, they're out there on the net doing other stuff. Uh, Shayla is a terrific flirt on Night Flirt. She's got her own clip store. Allison, like I said, she's doing burlesque. She's got clips. She's got her own website, which I will link to um, at the bottom. Please support them. They are doing an amazing thing for me, putting these audios out there. I could never do it without them, or you would hear my boring voice. Um, so please help them help me. And uh, support at Candy Apple Press. Uh, we really appreciate it. Uh, tax time is coming, and I am going to have a bill like you wouldn't believe. So every penny counts for me. I am on a budget. I am like... When I'm brushing my teeth in the morning, I am trying to fit any leftover toothpaste right back in the tube. So, every penny counts. Have a wonderful week. We'll be back next week, like I said, with um, After the Ordeal, written by me and Claudia Costa, with, a, am sure, a wonderful reading by Shayla Anastasia. Have a great week. Look for a new episode next Monday. That's it for the Feminization Boudoir Podcast from Candy Apple Press.